0: Our New Testament lesson comes from the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning with the 13th verse. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to the crowd, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and the man thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be?" And so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This too is the Word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. Over the course of just about a decade, my parents gave birth to a family consisting of three brothers and one sister. There was something about that that necessitated the creation of some hard and fast rules, one of which had to do with two things that the four of us were not allowed to say to one another. First, we were not supposed to say, shut up. Now, of course, the workarounds were pretty simple. For example, don't talk anymore. Second, we were not allowed to call someone stupid. Now, my brothers, two of whom would grow up to become lawyers, (laughs) negotiated loopholes such that if we could calmly present clear evidence, we might be allowed to say that something someone had done was stupid, but we were never to say, you're stupid. Perhaps in some other sermon, (laughs) I'll tell you how this played out when Clark and I tried to extend this rule to our own children, (laughs) but this week, I have really been feeling the residue of that childhood prohibition on me. It is hard for me to deal with the idea of our loving and gracious God saying to someone, you fool. It's just too close to calling someone stupid. My first reaction to this vocabulary choice was thinking, well, maybe it's the translation. Maybe the ancient Greek was more along the lines of, you silly head. But I checked and According to St. Luke, Jesus quotes God as saying to someone's face, you fool. So there is something about the rich man in this story that provokes a strong reaction from on high. Now, yes, the line is spoken in the context of a parable. In fact, this line is the only line God ever speaks in any of Jesus' parables. But its setting in a parable hardly means we can write it off. So what's the big deal? I mean, isn't this man just doing what, well, all of us do? Taking the fruits of his labor and making logical, prudent preparations for the future. We can see this as one example of Luke's concern about worldly wealth. In this gospel's very first chapter, Mary sings a song of praise as her soul magnifies the Lord who has brought down the powerful and lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. It's plain that Luke sees worldly wealth as treacherous because it has so often been gained at the expense of the lowly and the hungry Furthermore, the false sense of security that we get from worldly wealth can lure us away from reliance on God. So Luke's got a point. Anything that deepens the plight of the poor and also causes us to turn away from God must be dangerous. And this parable captures that subtly and succinctly. Jesus begins, but benignly enough, the land of a rich man produced abundantly. But from here on out, it is all downhill. Jesus proceeds, the man thought to himself. Do you hear the self-absorption already kicking in? The man is in touch only with himself. And just listen to all the me, myself and I language that comes next. The man thought to himself, what should I do? for I have no place to store my crops. Apparently his barns are already full, and yet his mind is completely empty of gratitude to God for this extraordinary bounty. Oh, I know, the man says, I will tear down my barns and build bigger barns, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. He's gonna store all of it. There's no, well, before I tuck a chunk of this away for a rainy day, let's see, how about 10% to the temple and 10% to charity and 10% to my neighbors who didn't have such a bumper crop this year, and 10% to those who weren't lucky enough to inherit land and receive an education And get good health care and enjoy all the benefits of all the privilege that I have but didn't earn nope none of that just and there I will store all my grains and my goods and I will say to my soul soul you have ample goods laid up for many years relax eat drink and be merry Now the Bible does not object to eating, drinking, and being merry. Jesus Himself enjoys many a good party. And the Bible doesn't object to wise and careful planning and saving. Think of how the great saga of Jacob and his sons turns on the fact that Joseph wisely socked away the harvest of bountiful years in order to feed Egypt in its famine. And yet, Jesus' parable rolls relentlessly onward to that, oh, so hard to hear line God said to the man, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. I suspect this is a hard text for all of us to hear, regardless of whatever rules you may remember from your childhood. It's hard because While we may not have barns, we sure have enough stuff to fill a barn. I don't have to tell you of the consumer culture we live in, the peer pressure to purchase more, the daily bombardment of ads declaring that however much you have, you do not have enough. The fact that everyone seems to be pitching into a world economy that feeds on making sure we feel we don't have sufficient stuff. We may not be building bigger barns, but we are working longer hours. And we have spent our earnings to create an entire industry, public storage, that did not exist when my brothers and I were coming up with alternative ways to tell each other to shut up. And every day, on our local social network next door. I read my neighbor's preoccupations with making sure nobody steals their stuff. Let me say that Clark and I once experienced a devastating home burglary, so it's not that I take that subject lightly. But I am so grateful that Jesus puts it, one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Our life can instead consist of something that cannot be stolen. Our life can consist of connections with God and God's good creation. Instead of being fools, we have the opportunity to be what Jesus calls rich toward God. Now, what might that mean? Well, it apparently means the opposite of how the man in the parable conducts himself. In fact, maybe being rich toward God is actually an antidote for our unhealthy fixation on stuff. The antidote for hoarding stuff is sharing stuff. <laughs> Which reminds me of being out for a walk with one of the gentle, wise people in my life. I was out with this quirky, elderly gentleman named Ken Kinman and we walked past a harmless-enough-looking yard sale, and Ken shakes his head and mutters, YARD SALES! That's when it all went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Ken, what did you just say? YARD SALES! YARD SALES! If you don't need it, give it away. Don't sell it, share it instead of always trying to get something, just give. Instead of building bigger barns, instead of being a fool, the rich man in the parable could have given, given thanks to God, and given that surplus stuff to those who could use it. I think of the giving we've experienced here this summer. Last month, Someone gave this church a brand new van. Last week, someone gave a party for all the Vacation Bible School volunteers and their children. And on a couple of recent Sundays, someone has given me the most beautiful green beans, glossy eggplant, and picture-perfect tomato. I mean, spectacular produce. It was a toss-up whether to put them on the table or put them on Instagram. All of that just given. And the other giving I can't stop thinking about is something I found in my reading for this sermon, a little quote that may very well haunt me for the rest of my life. The writer asked of the church, is giving driven by mission, or is mission limited by giving? Don't worry, you haven't just wandered into a stewardship campaign. It's just that I can't escape that challenging question. Is giving driven by, inspired by, in response to mission? Or is mission limited by giving? Surely that question delivers us right to the doorstep of being rich toward God. So many people here give in response to our mission, give money and give themselves. People who are retired, sure, people who at least theoretically have a freer schedule, but also people who give of themselves in addition to their full-time jobs, and their school-aged children, or their aging parents, instead of hoarding themselves and thus limiting their participation in God's mission, they are giving in response to all that God is doing. Instead of being a fool, they are being rich toward God. The man in the parable, the one God called, you fool, was so focused on himself that he missed out on everything else, like the story that Emma read the children. And that is indeed the foolish way of a fool. It's not that God is calling the man names, which is what my parents wanted to make sure my brothers and I didn't do way back when. No, God isn't being rude. God is being observant and honest. So if ever you notice that I am so foolishly focused on stuff I think belongs to me that I lose sight of the Holy One to whom I belong, do me a favor and call me a fool, because I can be a fool, maybe even a stupid fool, but never mind about me. Be on the lookout in your own life and the lives of everyone you love, including the life of this congregation. As Jesus put it, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Oh, thanks be to God our lives are not just heaped up stuff. Thanks be to God we have opportunities to connect with one another and with God to give to others and to give back to God, to be rich toward God and God's good creation. Thanks be to God, we can gather at this table where God gives even God's self. We would be such fools if we missed out on that. Amen.